Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top story: a British pianist who clashed with a pro-Beijing group makes a return to the now iconic London train station. This time with Winnie the Poohs. Congress pushing to prevent Beijing from U.S. tax dollars to develop bioweapons. A look at how it ties into the top provider of genetic sequencing equipment in the U.S. market. The four-day trial results for a Chinese music student are in. A judge doling out a five-year U.S. prison sentence. And National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and China's top diplomat are set to meet in Thailand. What's on the agenda? A famous British pianist is back to public performances. This after a heated exchange last week when a Chinese TV crew demanded that he stop filming. But the question remains: Who were the people he clashed with? NTD's Sam Wong has the story. The joyful sound of boogie woogie blues now returning to a public underground station in London. British pianist Brendan Kavanaugh sounded off a tune, accompanied by his dancing daughter and his new friend Winnie the Pooh. If you want to know why I'm holding Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh has been banned by the CCP as being subversive. Now this shows the power of the arts to undermine authoritarianism. Kavanaugh is a famous YouTuber known for his live performances on public pianos. He was approached by a Chinese TV crew last week in the middle of a live stream, with Chinese flags in hand. They demanded he stop filming, despite video recording being legal in UK public spaces. Did you film us all of us in your cameras? Uh, are we, are we, uh, I don't know. Are we allowed? We're not allowed. We're not allowed. You're not allowed because we're for Chinese TV. Oh, okay. This is non-disclosable. The dispute soon escalated as millions of people were watching online. But in a separate video, it appears that some members of the crew had an amicable exchange with Kavanaugh just prior to the incident, and they seem to have no problem with being filmed. So who were these people? My name is Adelina. According to netizens, the woman's name is Adelina Zhang. She's a naturalized British citizen. Over the years, Zhang has reportedly hosted a number of events sponsored by Beijing to promote UK friendliness towards China. An online picture shows she has previously worked with Newton Lang. The man who shouted at Kavanaugh for touching the Chinese flag in her hand. Why you're touching her? Stop touching her! Don't touch her! According to Ling's LinkedIn account, he currently works as a consultant at the Financial Times newspaper. He's also believed to be a Chinese language teacher closely affiliated with the Confucius Institute. Beijing has long been accused of using the state-backed cultural program to exert soft power overseas. After Kavanaugh referred to the Chinese flag as a communist flag, Leng immediately accused him of racism. That's when a police officer stepped in, and Kavanaugh was told to not use the footage. He was first of all accused of racism. They knew to accuse him of racism because、yes. they knew in this society that suddenly keys into progressive authoritarianism,、right. and then the police came in and took that very seriously because、right. that's the highest value.、Right. It's interesting that the Chinese, even the CCP. People know that they can weaponize. In response to the incident, UK law enforcement issued a statement saying those who film in public places do not need permission, and that the police have no power to step in. 
Speaking to NTD, Kavanaugh said that the piano at the station has become a symbol of free expression. This video that we did that's gone viral all around the world has been a mini parable about artistic freedom. The people who were involved in the video, we all know who they are. They are living Western lifestyles, but having a communist authoritarian ideology, a complete paradox. Sam Wong, NTD News. A new push to block Beijing from using U.S. tax dollars to develop bioweapons that could target Americans. Lawmakers in both chambers introducing bills targeting China's largest genomics company, BGI. If they go through, medical providers funded by federal money won't be able to use BGI products. Right now, BGI is the leading provider of genetic sequencing equipment on the U.S. market. It said the bill could drive it out of the U.S. market. Mike Gallagher is the chairman of the House Select China Committee. He's also a main sponsor of the House bill. He said BGI collects genetic data on Americans and uses it for research within the Chinese military. Gallagher added Beijing could use that data to develop bioweapons to target the American people. The Pentagon blacklisted BGI three years ago, calling it a Chinese military company. A Reuters report found that BGI co-developed prenatal tests with the Chinese military. The company later used those tests to collect genetic data from millions of women around the globe. Zooming out, a report from the Director of National Intelligence says Beijing has been collecting Americans' DNA information. DNA is extremely valuable information. That's because it provides intimate details about its owner, like whether they're inclined toward addiction or at risk of getting cancer. The report said having such data on hand could allow Beijing to target Americans for manipulation. For example, data associated with an embarrassing addiction or mental illness could be leveraged for blackmail. Some are more likely to have their information targeted than others, like diplomats, politicians, or military leadership. There are a number of ways Chinese companies can get a hold of Americans' genetic data. Business partnerships are one of them. BGI bought an American genomic sequencing firm in 2013. And in 2015, Chinese hackers stole health data on over 70 million Americans from health insurer Anthem. Chinese firms can collect genetic data by working with U.S. hospitals and universities. Those facilities are regularly on the lookout for low-cost genomic sequencing services. The DNI report said at least 15 Chinese firms have been able to access genetic data through providing those services. The latest on a Chinese student convicted on American soil. He's accused of threatening a U.S. permanent resident after she expressed her political views and showed support for democracy in China. The 25-year-old is a Berkeley School of Music student. When his fellow student posted flyers to support pro-democracy moves in China, Wu turned to the digital realm to threaten her, saying he'd report her activities to Chinese law enforcement and would cut off her hands if she doesn't take down the flyers. The posters read, We want freedom, we want democracy, and we stand with the Chinese people. Acting United States Attorney Joshua Levy commented on Wu's case that, quote, Wu now stands as a convicted felon for his illegal efforts to suppress speech. This type of conduct will never be tolerated.
whose charges could land him five years in prison, three more years under supervised release, and as much as a $250,000 fine. When asked about his plan going forward and how he feels about the situation, the Chinese student pointed his middle finger at the camera. Beijing has asked Iran to curb Houthis from harming Chinese profits in the Red Sea. At the same time, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan is meeting with Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi in Thailand in hopes that China can do more to de-escalate the regional conflict. First, let's zoom in on the message China sent to Iran. Thursday evening, an Iranian diplomat told Reuters that, quote, Basically, China says, if our interests are harmed in any way, it will impact our business with Tehran. So tell the Houthis to show restraint. The Iran-backed Houthi terrorist group has launched attacks on civilian vessels in the Red Sea, adding to regional tensions as the Israel-Hamas war rages. Those attacks pose a threat to China's commercial interests in Egypt along the Suez Canal. Shifting over to Thailand, high-profile American and Chinese officials are meeting Friday and Saturday. Washington hopes that China can use its sway with Iran in ways the U.S. can't to curb the Houthis. According to a Financial Times article, Washington has been repeatedly raising the issue with Chinese senior officials since the conflict broke out last year. The report adds that U.S. officials have said they've gotten little help from Beijing. Beijing responding to military accusations from Israel. The Israel Defense Forces said Beijing sent Hamas militants massive numbers of China-made weapons to Gaza. Here's the reply from Beijing. For the first time, Beijing is actively denying that it sends weapons to terrorist group Hamas. The Chinese Defense Ministry stated on Thursday that the country has never provided any military equipment to the conflict zone. This comes in response to the Israel Defense Forces, or IDF, announcing the discovery of Chinese-made weapons being used by Hamas militants. Based on that investigation, the extensive supplies include advanced firearms and communication devices. Hamas attacks on Israel have continued since last October. They've resulted in over a thousand deaths, with more than 200 taken hostage. Conflict in the region has escalated and expanded. The Iran-backed Houthis terror group has been attacking vessels in the Red Sea, aiming to disrupt a U.S. aid package as it enters Israel. China has avoided directly condemning Hamas since the war broke out. Reports say National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan will be meeting with the Chinese regime's top diplomat to discuss the conflicts in the Middle East. This comes as the Biden administration pushes Beijing to rein in Iran and its proxies. Joining us to dive into China's connection to the Middle East, we have Kash Patel. He served as senior advisor to former President Trump on national security, defense and intelligence. Kash Patel, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Now, amid all the tensions we're seeing in the Middle East, China is saying it's working to de-escalate the situation, at least in the Red Sea. Now, White House National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby is saying the U.S. welcomes China's help. That's despite the tensions we're seeing between the U.S. and China. What do you make of this? Well, this White House, John Kirby, Biden, Sullivan, etc., are responsible for the disaster and the ongoing war in the Red Sea to include the deaths of two U.S. Navy soldiers because of their disastrous national security policy actions. And now we're to believe them that they're getting in bed with the CCP to quell the situation. 
How about we first get affirmation from our government that the CCP isn't the one selling armaments and munition to Iran, who got $6 billion from the Biden administration, and they are now flush with cash to fulfill the weapons request of their forces, the Houthis, a terrorist organization, Hamas and Hezbollah. Expanding on that, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan is on his way to meet with China's top foreign policy official Wang Yi to discuss the Houthi attacks in the Red Sea. Now, how should we read China's role in the Middle East? Is it trying to maybe become a diplomatic brokering peace that we saw with the so-called peace deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia earlier last year? How should we read this? No, remember, China is backed by this and run by the CCP, and their only interest is the CCP and the augmentation of their power. We, the United States of America, cannot rely on Iran to be uh, brokered into a peace deal somehow. They're not going to become the Switzerland of the Middle East to quell the Iranian situation. And we have to remind our audience um, how much money and power Iran now possesses, and they're still the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism. So. I don't really have any faith in the fact that this administration is going out of its way to engage the CCP. That just shows you that they themselves, the United States government, cannot quell the situation. That should tell you how far we've fallen. Another foreigner sent to prison in China. British businessman Ian Stones now sentenced to five years behind bars. That ruling was handed down last year, but Beijing just confirmed the news Friday. Stones is around 70 years old and has worked in China for decades. He's been detained there since 2018 on charges of illegally selling intelligence to overseas parties. Beijing did not give details about the charges. Beijing has detained a number of foreigners, including Americans. American businessman Mark Swyden, accused of trafficking drugs, is now on death row. Also behind bars are Pastor David Lin and Kai Li, a naturalized U.S. citizen born in China. Beijing's anti-espionage law took effect last year and had made things more complicated. The new law expands the scope of what Beijing considers espionage, but without clearly defining the terms, leaving many concerned it could apply to regular business activities. Normal actions, such as collecting intelligence on local markets and business competitors, may no longer be safe. The law also hands Chinese authorities greater power. They can block suspects from leaving China, as well as search suspects' bags, electronic devices and property. The U.S. State Department has asked citizens to reconsider travel to China due to the risk of arbitrary detention. Coming up, more Chinese nationals breaking laws overseas. Toronto police arrested a man for allegedly attacking a display set up by a faith group. People very close to me, like I want to hit me. Vietnam and the Philippines are inking a deal to defend their waters as they face China's rising threat in the South China Sea. And over 20,000 COVID-19 deaths underreported in a single Chinese district. More on the details after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Moving on to Canada, a new arrest is on the books. Toronto police apprehended a Chinese man Tuesday. He's accused of attacking a display booth set up by a faith group Falun Gong. People very close to me, like I want to hit me. Outside of a Chinese counselor office, the suspect marched up to a Falun Gong booth and started striking banners with a metal rod. One of the banners read, Say no to the Chinese Communist Party. 
In a statement the Toronto police sent to the Epic Times, they stated the man allegedly hit one of the demonstrators and a sign with a cane. This incident is not an isolated case. Last year, a woman was arrested for allegedly threatening and attacking a 78-year-old Falun Gong practitioner in Toronto. On a scale of 100, what's mainland China's freedom status score in the past year? According to human rights watchdog Freedom House, that number is a mere 9, with the political rights section registering at a concerning negative 2 out of 40. As Beijing's repression of human rights creeps into western borders, how should the U.S. handle it? To discuss, entities Stephania Cox sat down with Rabbi Abraham Cooper, chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Rabbi, there's been alarming evidence of the Chinese Communist Party perpetrating transnational repression and imposing its malign political influence here in the U.S. What should people here know about that? Well, I would say for the average American citizen uh, who generally just identifies China with, uh, you know, shopping, uh, we need to understand that uh, the current government is uh, trying to extend its influence on expats here in the United States, uh, but also through TikTok and other means to actually impact on uh, how we think, what our priorities are in terms of uh, policies. And uh, they're very aggressive in terms of utilization of technology in pursuit of those goals. There are, of course, various religious uh, and spiritual minorities there who are being targeted and have been targeted for a long time, one of those being Falun Gong. Uh, what's your assessment of the CCP's treatment of that group? Well, unfortunately, we got an early peek uh, at where the Chinese government was going more generally with uh, religious uh, and other minorities. Obviously, they're not brooking uh, any possibility of people looking to anyone else or anywhere else than the CCP and the head of the Chinese Communist Party for rules about how they should live their lives. And because Falun Gong is an independent group, they have paid a very, very heavy price now for quite some time uh, in, in so far as being perceived and treated as enemies. But now we add to that list the destruction of Christian churches, the arrest and prosecution of a 90-year-old a uh, cardinal uh, in Hong Kong, and of course, the horrific maltreatment of, uh, of the Uyghurs. So uh, now we just unfortunately have, have added uh, so many of these groups to the list. It does reflect the underlying messages together with the technology that the Chinese communist government wants to control every aspect of everyone's lives in that uh, nation uh, and beyond. Sharing similar territorial disputes with Beijing in the South China Sea, the Philippines and Vietnam are now looking to counter those challenges together. The Philippines president is expected to sign a military pact with his Vietnamese counterpart next week when he visits the country. The final draft of the agreement says the two will work towards the promotion, preservation and protection of their mutual interests in the Southeast Asian region. China has claimed almost the entire South China Sea as its own, and tensions there with other countries are escalating. 
Chinese and Philippine vessels have clashed multiple times in the past few months. Chinese vessels also got close to Vietnam shore several times last summer and were accused of attempting to interrupt Vietnamese operations. The Philippines has been asking for help from the U.S. and its allies to deal with the aggression. U.S. President Joe Biden said the U.S. will support the Philippines if its attack in the South China Sea. The Pentagon has been granted access to nine military bases in the nation since last February. A rare glimpse at China's true COVID-19 death toll. A new paper reveals over 20,000 deaths didn't make it to the official count in 2023. And that's just in one district in Shanghai, China's most populous city. The data comes from a paper published on a Chinese medical journal and is compared to the figure recorded in Shanghai's statistical yearbook and the official death toll register system. The report said between December 2022 and February 2023, authorities said over 20,000 died of COVID-19 infections, 90 times higher than the official count. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. And stay tuned for a message on holding on to hope. NTD's Kelly Wright talks with two successful women who have overcome loss and failure and now are helping others become beacons of hope. Watch their inspiring stories coming up next on America's Hope with Kelly Wright. Thanks for watching China in Focus. See you soon.